Let me pray for us quickly, and uh, uh, we'll get started on Galatians here. Yeah, Father, I, uh, uh, we just love you. We just commit this time to you. Father, as we uh, unpack your word a little bit, Father, I ask if you would help me, if you would anoint me just to, to share your word. I just pray, Father, for uh, your heart. I pray, Father, for your presence. It's always better in your presence, Lord. It's always better. It's always clearer. It's always better in your presence. So I pray and I ask, Lord, if you would fill this place with your presence. Would you come, Holy Spirit, in, in revelation uh, and open our hearts to uh, what you're saying to each of us uh, this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. So this morning I'm continuing in the uh, series that Hugh started last week in Galatians. And in particular, I'm going to uh, sp uh, speak specifically about the second half of chapter 1. So he was very specific in the boundaries of my, uh, on my preach this morning. So the Galatians had a problem here, right? Some false teachers were teaching uh, a distorted gospel. It wasn't crazy enough, but it was enough to get them uh, off course. And you know, things haven't changed much Today, you know, we struggle with some of the same problems. And uh, if you look out there, there's many false gospels and many uh, people that have been misled by some of these false gospels. Perhaps you've heard statements like, you can't take the Bible literally. It's not for our time. It was written hundreds, thousands of years ago. It's not relevant to our lives today. Or, I don't believe in hell. Or, God created me as I am, which justifies my lifestyle, right? So there's lots of these things going on. So how do we, as Christians, which are followers of Christ, how do we protect ourselves uh, from these deceptions? And there are a few ways, but the imperative is the word. I include myself in this statement. We need and we must be in God's Word every day, eating and feasting and allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us. If we know the Word and somebody says to us, Jesus is coming back in March of 2020. Go and sell your stuff because it's soon. Right? That's not right, is it? I just totally lost where I was. That's not right, because if you know, you know what the word says, right? Nobody knows the hour or the day, not even the angels of heaven. So it acts as a net and keeps us protected in truth. And you see, Jesus and the word cannot be separated. He is the Word, right? We see in John 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. Jesus says in Matthew 24, 
35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. With your permission this morning, if it's okay, I'd like to start with my conclusion of the message. And this is the conclusion. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He is the beginning and the end. From the first page to the last page, it testifies of Jesus. Jesus is the king over all. His authority is absolute, and his kingdom is eternal. Saul, a Pharisee, encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus. This wasn't just a, hey, what's up, Jesus, moment. He encounters the risen Christ, and he instantly falls to the ground. Jesus confronts him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? You would think Paul, the Pharisee, would have something to say. He doesn't. He trembles and says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Wow. Is this Paul? Paul said of himself, I was circumcised when I was eight years old, of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and to the law, observing the law, a Pharisee. And as to my zeal for Jewish tradition, persecutor of the church and as to righteousness supported by right living which my fellow Jews believe is the law I proved myself blameless this Paul meets Jesus and says what do you want me to do this encounter radically transforms Paul's life And if you will this morning, please, if you have a Bible or the Word in any form, uh, turn with me from Galatians, uh, in Galatians 1, from verse 11. And this is Paul. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not from human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor as I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. So if you have heard from our previous ways of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. So in summary, Paul is asserting three points that the gospel that he is teaching is of God. Firstly, I did not receive it from any other person. Secondly, I did not, uh, no one taught me this gospel. And thirdly, 
He received it through revelation from Jesus. Paul then offers his Jewish credentials and then tells us that he did not go to Jerusalem, but that he went uh, on to Arabia and Damascus for a few years. So we have this large gap of time from this encounter uh, that Paul has uh, with Jesus. What do you think Paul was doing during this time? Because it was a long time, it was a couple of years. He received revelation from Jesus. If I may say it like this, he was hanging out with Jesus. He went aside and grew through his relationship. He grew in revelation through his relationship with Jesus. In the Psalms, there's a word, it's Selah. I'm sure you guys, I say Salah, some say it differently, so I'll just stick with the way I know it. And it appears many times and uh, is believed to mean a pause and a reflection. So Salah. I had this thought this week. I was with God and I was feeling grateful uh, for some things. I was about to start telling him that I was grateful and thankful for some of these things. And as my mind was thinking about these things, this jumps into my mind. Thank you for the air in my lungs. I know that sounds weird, but I sort of got this revelation. I understood that without Jesus, my next breath is not available to me. It's not. I breathe because of him, right? And then this thought snowballed in my mind, and I thought about the earth, and I thought about the sun, and gravity, and all these things that just do the simple thing of facilitating life on earth, right? And at that moment, I realized I had more to be thankful for than just the few things I was going to say. Um, but then one thing led to the next as I was pondering this thing, and then suddenly the penny dropped. He made me. I'm uniquely created, right? I come, my source, where I come from, my source comes from the very creative heart of God. God thought of me before he created me. Everything about me he made. What you see before you today, God made. That's who he made me. My talents, my desires, my passions, my dreams, they flow from the creative heart of God. He made me. Like I got that revelation. He made me. There is no other like me. There is no other like me. I'm uniquely crafted. He formed me in every way. In Psalm 139, it declares, For you created my innermost being. <clears throat> you knit me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. The word also says that he planned the time that I would live and the places where I would live. He designed me with purpose. He 
gave me a perfect set of skills for the road that he set before me. And here's the best part of it. He loves me. He passionately loves me. Because of Jesus, a way has been made and an invitation goes to you and me and the nations of the world to be reconciled to our Creator. Like Paul, we get to hang with Jesus too. We get to find out who we are and what plans God has for us from the foundations of the earth, right? The most beautiful thing about being created and made, and this, if, if it's not making sense, I, <laughs> help me, but because I'm made alive, I get to experience the presence of God. And on this earth, it, like I walk a road here and I walk a journey, but I have the privilege of being in His presence forever. And I don't know if you've ever had those quiet times some mornings where you're just sitting with Him and His presence falls and you are just overwhelmed by His love and His goodness and who He is that you just sit there and it's like, I don't want to get up. This, it's, this feeling is so good. This peace, the clarity. Him, right? The privilege we have to live in that space for eternity is overwhelming. And I know my revelation is but a grain in the sands of the universe, right? That grain is so overwhelming that we get to live in His presence, where He is at, forever. All right, let me get back on track here. In 2 Corinthians 12, uh, which was later, Paul gives us a glimpse of what happened during this time. And I actually looked at Galatians, and the scholars say Galatians was written sort of in the early 40s AD. And 2 Corinthians, they say, was sort of writ written in sort of the mid to late 50s AD. So the timing in the scripture lines up, you know, with this time when Paul was um, in Arabia and Damascus. And he says this, this boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell you about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago, whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do not know. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise. And I heard things so astounding that they could not be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. During this time, Jesus reveals to Paul that from the womb he was set apart to receive the revelation of the Son so that he can preach Jesus to the Gentiles. Paul understood through revelation that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Paul understood that the works of flesh carry zero value as they pertain to our salvation. 
By our faith in Jesus, we are washed by his blood. By trusting in Jesus, we are clothed in righteousness, becoming sons of God. Paul taught this to the Galatians. Paul taught this truth to the Galatians. And I'm not surprised he got a little intense. It sounded he was a little intense in his letter uh, to them. When he heard they were reverting back to law, we must hold fast to this truth. That when Jesus died, the veil was torn from the top all the way to the bottom. The gates to God's presence swung open and the age of the new covenant dawned. Jesus, by his life, death, and resurrection, fulfilled and appeased the law. Jesus says in Matthew 17, in Matthew 5, 17, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. We cannot add to the work of the cross. In Jesus, it is finished. Our response is to believe and receive and be reconciled to the one who created us one who loves us. So if grace, if relationship, what does that look like? It simply looks like you and Jesus. It simply looks like you and Jesus. He will lead you and teach you by His Spirit. He will place you in a family. He will grow you To me, John 15 is a beautiful picture of our relationship with Jesus. Abide in me, Jesus says. Abide in me. Just as he wanted the disciples by his side, training them, loving them, and enjoying their companionship, Jesus wants us to be with him. When the Israelites were in the desert, they ate manna every day. And it's such a beautiful picture of our need to eat with Jesus every day. We need him every day. We need him every day. I, um, I love the picture. I'm just going on a bit of a tangent here. I, I love the picture because it speaks of God's character. Right? Jesus comes back to life and he's visiting the disciples over a period of time. And he goes and finds a bunch of them. They were fishing. and We know the story. And what amazes me about this story is it, he, sometimes we focus on Peter. Because Jesus called out to them, and Peter, when he realized it was Jesus, he jumps from the boat. He doesn't wait for the boat. He just jumps off, and he goes towards Peter. But in the Scripture, it says that Jesus had prepared a meal for them. He had put some fish on a barbecue, And he said, come sit down. I've made lunch for us. Have some fish. I get that that picture of uh, my my wife laughs like fish tacos with Jesus on the beach. How awesome. How awesome. We must dine with him daily. May I read just a a couple couple lines from uh, John 15, 3. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. 
Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 